Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Four Year Scenes Fire American Soccer Show, as we will be doing post-game in just a minute. And another yellow card has been issued to Serbia here in the 87th minute. And once again, this is a uh, January camp friendly, as the United States currently is down a goal down 2-1 to visitors of Serbia. And it looks like they're going to get five minutes of stoppage time here. And there's an opportunity there for Kellen Costa on the free kick and no good. Once again, a yellow card given to Serbia. And we've got five minutes. So we got five minutes added on. As this game is going to be uh, just a, once again, January camp matchup, giving some young kids the opportunity. Some of these young kids you'll see on the U.S. Under-20 World Cup squad coming May. Uh, in Indonesia, so it should be interesting to see how those games will be played with that under-20 squad that won the CONCACAF championship last year. Still an opportunity for the U.S. to try and get that equalizer if they can get it. Good mix of uh, vets and young players getting an opportunity. Once again, you'll see some of them attempting to make that under to be on that under twenty squad at the same time you got these young kids getting an opportunity to go and get go and get themselves an opportunity to be on the u s men's national team on the senior squad and currently with that ball in the midfield is the u s trying to control that ball nothing there on a foul that was not called by the referee as the u s contains now the referee will halt play. Checking on the Serbian defender in uh, Petrovic. And it looks like we're going to get some uh, treatment here. Looks like an ankle issue for Petrovic, the defender, not Petrovic, the goalkeeper. So we will see if uh, the magic spray will be pulled out. And other than that, it looks like we're going to add on some more stoppage time because of the injury happening happening during stoppage time. Uh, first match of the 2023 calendar season. Yep, there goes the magic spray. 
first match on the 2023 calendar for U.S. men's national team and of U.S. soccer on the men's side. Um, watching this broadcast on the HBO Max app, uh, Luke Wildman and Kyle Martino on the call, uh, Sarah Evans, Demarcus Beasley, Julie Foudy, doing a very good job on the sidelines at the table over at now BMO Stadium, no longer Bank of California Stadium. And uh, what we're seeing so far, I, I, I have to admit, I think the broadcast has been strong. I think the, uh, the knowledge of the uh, so-called former players have been solid. And I, I really think we got ourselves a pretty good uh, tandem later down the road uh, this coming Saturday against Columbia at Dignity Health Sports Park in Carson, California, as well as those CONCACAF Nations League games that will be broadcasted both on TNT as well as the HBO Max app. But right now the U.S. is trying to get that equalizer. Just cannot find a way to make that uh, big pass happen uh, for that final ball to be crossed as, of course, they lost it along the near side touchline. Anthony Hudson, of course, managing the U.S. player players. And uh, we'll see how much more time we're going to get here with this match. But definitely, this match has been, I would say, entertaining at times. Um, and unfortunately, uh, back into the first half and start of the second half, not not the best moments for the U.S. But I think out of it all, it's been a decent match. Nothing yet, but once again, let's see if they can get that second. Uh, let's, see, let's see if they can get that second goal, pull out their equalizer, and salvage a draw here if they can in this January camp. And there's an opportunity for the U.S., but now they've lost it. Now they've regained it, but they've just did they lose it? Yes, they did. Lost it along the near side touch line for the U.S. So at least. I would say maybe a couple extra minutes or so in second half stoppage time. Because of the issues. Because of the issues of the injury to Petrovic, the defender, not Petrovic, the goalkeeper. So we're definitely going to go a little bit past five. That's been allotted. And a bad decision right there from the USA Appellators. Tried to the ball and uh, pass was just not, not there. And no one was paying attention to the pass. So right now, the U.S. losing that possession. Serbia with the ball. And they're going to attack now. Probably going to take it to the corner flag, but not there yet. As they're going to juggle with the ball a little bit. And they uh, will regain possession on the throw, Serbia. Nope, Serbia lost the ball, and USA will throw it in. And now it's time for the U.S. to try to move that ball up and try and get that second uh, that second goal, try and get their equalizer. As the U.S. right now, already through the five minutes of second half stoppage time, there will be a couple minutes or two added on here. Inside the stoppage time. Let's see here. Long cross now. And right at the goalkeeper, Petrovic, of course, the goalkeeper for the New England Revolution. And it looks like this might be the last play of the game. We'll see what happens if the referee blows his whistle. 
But definitely, um, this is a matchup where you just have to say that the USA needs to be a little bit better against Colombia. And free kick now given to Serbia on a foul. And just been just just really difficult to see. Well, once again, you know, this is not your the senior side all the way. You have a couple of veterans, a couple like maybe two or three players from that World Cup squad, a couple other veterans we've seen in qualifying and so on and so on. And then you're seeing a couple of young kids. And we're gonna get ready for post game here on the Four Scenes Fire American Soccer Show. As we uh, take a look and see what's going to happen here, we get our thoughts at Slonina on that save. And, well, he was just interfered with, and I wish the referee would have called it, and now he has. And that's a final, ladies and gentlemen. The United States will fall for the opener of the 2023 men's calendar year uh, with the final of two goals to one, as the, Serbia, uh, as the Serbians will get the victory uh, to start 2023 themselves internationally. But for the U.S., um, I think it was a bit difficult, obviously. At the tone, please. A bit difficult difficult, uh, right there. As they fall two goals to one to the Serbians. As we get ready here for post game, here on the Four Year Scenes Fire American Soccer Show, and here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, I'm going to get my uh, my colleague on, Christian Miles. Let's hopefully uh, he's got Thanks. me ready to go, and not there yet. And uh, can't wait for this one. As we get ready for this one once again, this post-game show as the United States falls to Serbia by a final of two goals to one. Um, for the United States, uh, you know, I would say um, I, I think it was a decent performance. If you want to definitely say it was a decent performance, I, I just think that, you know, they had a poor start to the match first 10 minutes or so poor uh did work themselves into the game and then a fantastic cross by Julian Gressel to find Brandon Vasquez with that snap header and beating Petrovic for the opening goal but then again as we are as I was saying uh towards the back end of the first half and then the start of the second half just completely switched off they just could not find a way to defend those balls. Well, obviously one on the first one was on a free kick and the wall just did not do its job. Opened the seam and just opened the seam, allowing that ball to get scored. And that became one, one that became one, one uh, towards the half. And then that started the second half, obviously Walker Zimmerman being subbed out uh, at halftime bring in Aaron Long, and just everyone switched off. It's not just Aaron Long 
the entire back line switched off. And then when you allow that ball to get scored, uh, I mean, there's nothing the goalkeeper can do. Cannot blame uh, Slonina for either goals being scored. I thought he had a very, very good uh, match himself. Uh, like I said, I don't blame him for the, for the first goal by Serbia. And I definitely don't blame him for the second goal uh, by Serbia. That's a situation where you need your defenders to go out there and play that to, to at least defend the ball a lot better than what they showed. They had to defend that ball a lot better, and they just could not do the job. So once again, so once again, as we are here for a post-match, the United States is falling to Serbia by a final of two goals to one. Who really stood out in this one for me? I thought Brandon Vasquez stood out in the first half, but unfortunately didn't get much of the ball in the second half. But I thought he was really in there. Uh, the guy that I would say who really showed a lot in this game and did as much as he could, even though he had a poor start to the game, but worked himself into the match, definitely Cade Cowell of the San Jose Earthquakes. I, I thought he looked strong. He he looked dangerous. Obviously, a couple of chances that hit the post. Uh, give credit to Petrovic, who made saves. Had a moment where he just missed the post going inside of it, or even you know even hitting the post, as I already said. I thought Cade Cowell, uh, to me, if you want to say man of the match as a whole, and even though he didn't score, but still, to me, it's Cade Cowell. Cade Cowell, to me, is the man of the match Overall, because he looked the most dangerous. I mean, you could give it to Brandon Vasquez who scored the goal, but honestly, for me, uh, if you're talking about a man of the match situation for the U.S., Cade Cowell is your guy. I thought he really looked good in both halves. Yes, he got subbed out, but once again, can say is that this situation with Cade Cowell, and you're hoping that even though he tech, he is a dual citizen, you know, born in the United States with parents of Mexican heritage, you know, the hope is you don't lose him on the national team level. And that truly means that, well, he can't play for Guadalajara because then they'll tell him you've got to get rid of your American citizenship and your desire to play for the U.S. men's national team play for Guadalajara if he ever does go to Liga MX. Now, I don't know if he will or not, but I think Kate Cowell must represent the United States, not just we know he'll be representing the U.S. in the Under-20 World Cup. Now, if he's not going to get selected, I think that's a major mistake, obviously. But still, I think that for the U.S., it's imperative that he does become part. Helen, please record your message. When it's very important. He does find a way to remain on the U.S. men's national team. And it's really important. Very important for the U.S. men's national team 
very important Thanks. for the U.S. men's national team. And, uh, yeah, he, he's one of those, and as I've said already, as I've said already, of course, um, you know, Kate Towell, I think, is At the one tone, of those players. please record your message. That is very important for the future for the U.S. men's national team. And then once again, that is Cade Cowell, in my opinion. So we'll see what happens there uh, moving forward. But as I've said, as I have said already. Thanks. This is going to be an interesting, interesting matchup as we get ready for this one moving forward. So, or should I say, uh, interesting situation with Cade Cowell going into. At the tone, please the record situation your message. With the US. But once again, for the U.S., I mean, there's some positives out there. So we'll see what happens moving forward uh, with some of these players. And once again, you know, like I like I said, I thought some of these uh, – uh, we'll see what happens here moving forward. Ken, thanks. Uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. And we are getting Miles, uh, Christian Miles, to join me here tonight on this post-match show. Uh, we're having phone issues. I am texting with him. We are getting phone issues at the moment. Don't know why, but we're getting phone issues. Should not be happening. Um, but uh, we'll see what the uh, situation is here. And I mean, hopefully we'll get that fixed. Maybe the phone lines are having an issue right now. So. And uh, Blog Talk Radio is doing it to me again. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. But um, this is really getting annoying. But, you know, I thought uh, Alan Sonora, I, I don't think he had a, a solid match. I think he had a, maybe a decent moment or two. But other than that, it, it's just been... Really, really tough. At the tone, please record your message. uh, All you can say is is that. I, I thought some of the players players did well. 
I thought some players did not do so well. Finally, the phone issues have been fixed. We have Christian Miles on, former Fox Soccer Channel presenter uh, with the English Premier League, UEFA Champions League, MLS, and all around the best guy I know to handle this wonderful match that was played tonight uh, over at the now BMO Stadium in downtown Los Angeles. Christian, um, after those 90 minutes, uh, what were your thoughts on the match tonight? Well, a big cheers to you, Daniel. Thank you for the kind words, and really great to be back on the show. Uh, really quality first half. Uh, I was really entertained. Uh, I thought the U.S. Uh, you know, had, a, had a shaky beginning but grew into the game, had some uh, standout individual performances. Uh, unfortunately, had a really substandard uh, start to the second half in that early Serbia goal. Uh, kind of put them on the back foot. I thought they lost their way a little bit. But um, all in all, it, it, it shake out. It shook out very much like you would expect a January friendly when you've got 13 uncapped players and, you know, seven players making their debuts, a group that's been together for about, you know, four or five days. I, I thought they did reasonably, reasonably well on the balance. I agree with you. Um, you know, to be honest with you, uh, I think the one player that stood out to me throughout the entire match, and I would like to say Brandon Vasquez because he scored a hell of a goal, but we'll get to that in a minute. I think Cade Cowell really shined in this match. Bit of a bit of a rough start, but I think throughout the match was very dangerous on the ball, very dangerous with his shots. He hits the post a couple of times, a bit wide here and there. Uh Petrovic who placed for New England in goal, uh made a damn good save on him, but other than that, uh even if he didn't score and even if he did score, I consider him my man of the match. Oh, 100%. Uh, you know, hit the post twice in the second half and, and sent another one wide. And, and they really didn't have anybody that could cope with him uh, down the right-hand side for Serbia. Is, is, the U.S. enjoyed so much success on that left-hand side, which I thought was kind of a, one of the, 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 the positives that they can take from tonight. And Kid Cowell was, uh, was immense tonight. Uh, I thought Jalen Neal, uh, the young Galaxy man, had a good first half uh, at fault, unfortunately, on the game-winning goal for Serbia. But you know, it's, it's growing pains for, for this team right now, I think, is a good way to look at it. Um, Serbia was, you know, really clicked into gear. I thought that the U.S. had problems coping with the pace on their counterattack. Um, they were sharp in their movement, uh, and it was so clinical in front of goal. And, you know, just kind of a, a real patented Serbian type of approach that you would expect from a team of that quality. Exactly. And, you know, look, I mean, granted, it's none of the top Serbian national team players that we were hoping to see. And, you know, those players are getting an opportunity as well for their national team. But I will say this, I I really thought that they really held their own. I thought they looked strong. And, um, you know, some of these players that do play in MLS, like Joe Valich, who plays for the Galaxy, as you know, uh, Petrovic and Gol, uh, plays for the Revolution, a couple other players that plays in MLS as well. I I thought they they stood out very strongly for Serbia, and I thought they did well on their side of of the pitch. Yeah, I thought they really had a good synchronization of movement. Um, you, you saw a lot of dummy runs. Uh, really, you could tell that they they established patterns of play because most of this team, as you mentioned, is is based in Serbia, playing their their football in the Serbian league. So they know each other. They know the way they play. They've been together before. Uh, so yeah, I was impressed with them. I, I thought in the front line really did a good job of counterpressing and really kind of going right down the USA's throat when when the US would make an error or would get lost in possession and, and cough it up. Uh, 
you know, as I think about this right now, Daniel, and, and I'm wondering if you might agree, I'm a little disappointed with, with, with the front line of the U.S. tonight. Yes, it was a brilliant goal from Vasquez, and that is something that almost came up against a run of play and that early ball from uh, from Gressel out of the back, which was sublime. But yeah, I thought the U.S. kind of, you know, lacked a little bit of punch uh, in that front line, and it wasn't until in the last 10 minutes, 15 minutes, where – you know, Serbia dropped off a bit, and we saw you know, Zendejas grow into the game. Uh, that they they kind of you know put their best foot forward, but I, I still think that this front line uh, left a little bit to impress. Aside from Cade Cowell, who was absolutely brilliant tonight. Three uh, were lacking a bit in this one, and once again, you know, we don't want to, you know point fingers, you know, it's already January camp, you know, it's too early to even worry about official games and stuff like that. Look, you want them to win, obviously, you want them to do well, but look, if they've done something that we feel that hasn't been strong enough, well, look, I, I mean, let's be honest with ourselves here. I, I thought Palm Call had some moments of, 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 of decency. I thought uh, Morris also looked strong at times, but uh, as a whole, that front three absolutely i don't think they were completely in sync i think separately yes as as a as a group no i thought they didn't do well up front at all yeah i have to agree with you and uh, i expect a little bit more from alan senora tonight i a player that likes and likes to be on the ball and make things happen and i really thought he was you know, a, a real a non-issue in the first half. But throughout actually the entire game, I, I was expecting to see more of him. And you've, you've heard reports of a player who's been electric. He's got a creative flair to him. And after playing down in Argentina for so long, they'd expect a little bit more out of him as well as in Dejas. And it's unfortunate they really couldn't get more involved, uh, especially in the first half. And Morris, I really thought, you know, playing is that, that – that central pivot back there is at number six. I thought it was, the game got a little bit too much for him at times. Uh, he quitted himself well, had some really shaky moments from the get-go. And, you know, if you go all the way back to the fifth minute, I, I thought he might have gotten away with a handball there in which, you know, Serbia was more than deserving of a penalty kick in that situation off that corner that they took. But um, he grew into the game a little bit, and uh, but it did get away from him at times, especially when you saw Serbia trying to counter-press and, and also when it – U.S. got a little sloppy in possession, and, and Serbia was able to capitalize going forward and, and hit them on the break. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And uh, that's the situation that's sadly in front of these uh, young kids. And once again, look, this is their, some of the, for some of them, is their first cap, you know, being mm-hmm. given their first opportunity to be on the national team. We understand, you know, this is not a full squad. This is just the January camp. They're going to have another match on Saturday against Columbia uh, over at Dignity Health Sports Park in your backyard, of course, um, at the home of the Galaxy. But, uh, no, I agree with you. I, you know, it, it could have been better. It could have been a little bit more tighter all game long uh, defensively, but, you know, unfortunately, there were some moments there where uh, I thought they were lacking. Now, let's get to the goal. Julian Gressel, of course, now officially an American citizen, uh, which means that he was allowed to play for the U.S. men's national team. I don't, I don't know if he was ever, uh, you know, in line for any of the, the, the German youth teams, if he had to do a one-time switch. And if, even if he was able to do the one-time switch... Uh, congratulations to him to be on the U.S. men's national team. But if he never played for the Germans, uh, then you know what? You know, more kudos to uh, to uh, U.S. soccer. And I thought that cross to 
Brandon Vasquez was so quality, such a quality cross. And Vasquez has been doing everything like he's done all of last year. Those snap headers, getting into position to bury those balls uh, into the back of the net. It was just incredible what a goal that was. Yeah, it really was. And also to his movement to put himself in that position where he, he faints, comes back, gets in front of his defender and reads that ball, his anticipation, you know, his timing is so improved. It, play, you talk about a player and a striker who's just improved leaps and bounds since his early days. He's been absolutely fantastic. And the one player that, you, you know, you want a striker like that, playing the number nine role, you know, you're only going to get a handful of chances. And he got about one tonight, and he took it, and boy, did he take it well. And, you know, all kudos and a tip of the hat to, to Gressel, who put in an absolutely sublime ball and, and it was a superbly placed uh, glancing header from the FC Cincinnati man. What did you think of the play of uh, Dewan Jones from New England? Um, I thought he was solid. I mean, yeah, there was a time late in the second half he lost the ball, but I thought he tracked back beautifully to at least defend it and not allow Serbia to get another opportunity on goal and kind of forced it away from the attacker. I mean, outside of that, I thought he had a solid match. Yeah, I really did. I thought, you know, it, the way it was set up when he came on, you know, late on in the 60s, I remember the last half hour, um, it's set up to a player like Dewan Jones. He's so good on the front foot, has that great burst of pace, able to get down. I thought he had some real bright moments. As, as Serbia were really hanging on. I thought they, the Serbians really made a big mistake in going with that extra defender, and that invited the pressure, and then that played into the hands of, of the fullback. Juan Jones, who was able to beat his man for pace, got in a couple of times, whipped in a couple of good crosses. I thought he had a bright showing. Didn't have too much to do defensively. Uh, as at that point, you know, Serbia was absorbing a lot of the pressure and just kind of, you know, trying to shut up shop and, and see it out. So, yeah, Juan Jones, positive, something he can be proud of. Uh, good performance from him tonight. Absolutely. I agree with you 100% there. And, of course, Walker Zerman got 45 minutes. I thought he was decent. Uh, I thought he had a solid uh, 45. And then, of course, um, halftime showed he was kind of limping around a little bit, maybe got a little bit of a nagging injury, and hopefully it's not too serious. And I thought it was the right move to sub him out and bring in Aaron Long. You know, Dan, I'm glad you brought this up. I, yeah, absolutely without question. If there's any hint of an injury in that situation, and in a January friendly here early in 2023, yeah, you take him off and, and you save him for either Saturday or down the road. There's no sense in getting anybody injured. But I was really pleased with the understanding between Walker Zimmerman and Jalen Neal. And I'm, I'm lucky enough to have seen Jalen Neal play throughout the last two years and watch him mature. He's a modern-day ball-playing center back, very calm under pressure. I thought he really acquitted himself well with, you know, not the most refined defender, but, you know, he's a destroyer if there ever was one and the ball winner. And what we saw with Zimmerman and, and Neil was a good understanding of players, you know, that have, haven't played at all together, had a pretty, were pretty much in sync because Zimmerman dropping off a little bit, doing the sweeping up from behind, winning balls, and allowing Neil just when the U.S. were able to get a foot on the ball, get some possession, allowing Neil to drift in forward and, you know, join up with the attack, find that link to midfield and doing what he does best, distributing out of the back, I don't think we saw that with Long. It looked, for me, a little bit out of sync uh, with Long and Neil. And, and we saw the mistake from Neil on the goal, which was rather unfortunate. That's such a good first half. But, hey, this is what it's all about, right? January friendlies, 
young kids, a guy who is making his international debut before he's made his MLS debut. And you got to expect those kind of growing pains from those types of players in these situations. And uh, Zendejas, of course, we all know his story, you know, one of those dual citizens, uh, you know, born in the U.S. Uh, or, or, you know, play, lives in the U.S., uh, born in Mexico. Him and his parents, they come over the border. They, they live in, in the U.S., uh, is playing for Club America, was uh, a little bit in trouble because Mexico thought that he was eligible to play for them. Then they forced him to sign the uh, the uh, the one-time switch papers because there was an issue about him being on a uh, training camp or at least an international camp with the national team. And, you know, that didn't happen. I don't know if he ever played that match or not, but obviously mm. sniffing around of foul play possibly. But, you know... Uh, what did you think of his play? I, I don't know. I, I thought he looked at times out of position or maybe just not fully into the match, just not being confident. Maybe towards the back end of it, he was finally finding his stride. But uh, what did you see from his play? Because I, I thought it was a little uncomfortable most of the match. Yeah, it really did. He looked out of place, a player out of sync. If anybody looked like a, a guy who, you know, wasn't on the same page as his teammates. It was in Deos, and he dropped out of that three and really tried to tuck inside and, and find the game and get the ball to his feet where he wants to play. And that really uh, took away some of the width from the U.S. down that right, and he was desperate to get involved. And we saw some of what he can do on the ball. He's obviously a very technically gifted player and, and can unlock defenses and, and likes to go 1v1. I don't think we saw enough of that from him as well as Senora uh, and players that, you know, the way the U.S. want to play a little bit at pace sometimes and, and advance it quickly to the to the front. It, it, players like Senora and, and Zendayas, I think, like a little extra time on the ball, you know, pick their pass and, and, and play a more uh, technical, slower pace style of game. And, and I don't think tonight it really saw, it really kind of suited their strengths. Um, even though we saw Zendayas grow into the game and show us what he could do from a technical standpoint uh, late on, I I think against Colombia. It'll be more of a, a game that will suit his fancy. Uh, was you know more of a technical oriented game going against you know South American team, and will probably try and possess a little bit more than what we saw from Serbia in the first half. Uh, so they, yeah, well, hopefully we'll see better out of him, and, and he can kind of show us what he's all about, along with Senora, because I think those are players that you know this is a shop window where internationally and in the club scene for both of these two players and. You want to show your best wares, and I just don't think we saw that tonight from either of them. No, I agree with you there, and I think hopefully, uh, if he does get an opportunity to be in more camps, you know, obviously, uh, Nations League matches are going to be coming up very soon in about a month or so. Uh, maybe he'll be involved with that. Maybe he'll just be in camp as a uh, uh, bench player. We'll see what happens. If he does get used or does get called up, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but obviously, I, I think the big question mark has to be in goal with Gagas Lonina, the former Chicago Fire starter, now with Chelsea uh, in in their system right now. Uh, I thought he was impressive. I'm not blaming him for either of the goals conceded. I don't think it was his fault at all. But I saw, and how he defended that net, I'll tell you, Christian, uh, to me, I think uh, goalkeeper, I'm not saying he should be thrown into the fire right off the bat, 
But if you feel good enough that you can put him out there, I wouldn't blame you at all. I think he looks great. <laughs> well, uh, kudos with your Chicago fire pun. Nicely played, my friend. Um, yeah, I, I really think highly of this young man. He's three weeks into his Chelsea career, won Premier League appearance already. Uh, you know, and it, Sorry, it, it, at a lower level with the reserves and, and such, but really fitting in. He, you know, youngest ever goalkeeper to uh, debut for the U.S. men's national team at 18 years, 255 days. So that gives you an idea of, you know, the company that he's keeping. I I think this guy is the future of U.S. goalkeeping, period. He is phenomenal. I wouldn't be surprised to see him in three a few years to be challenging for the gloves at Chelsea if he decides to remain there. Uh, he's an immense ceiling. He's a big, strong kid, um, brave, makes decent decisions, um, did show a little uh, – for lack of a better word, erraticism or erratic play coming off his line and making that wild header out, which, you know, you chalk that up to youthful exuberance. But all in all, I mean, that double save he made, uh, no doubt about his shot-stopping ability. He's athletic. um, And he appears to have a a good head on his shoulders in terms of judgment and how to read the play. Now, now look, aside from those wonder saves, I don't think he was overly busy. uh, But when he was called upon, he answered the bell, and it's, you know, kind of continuation from what we saw with him in the Chicago Fire, you know, over the last two years. He's a quality player who I think very much is is the future of the U.S. men's national team goalkeeping core. What, I mean, that 31st minute, those two saves he made, I mean, unbelievable on the floor with that big stop, and then the ball pops up halfway in the air, and his long reach somehow swipes the ball away, and then he gets cleared out or actually goes out for a corner. But, I mean, when you saw that and I saw that, to me, that's like, I don't know, Tim Howard-esque, kind of, would yeah. you say? It is. It's He's the best young keeper I've seen since uh, the Howard, since Tim Howard days, those Tim Howard days. I, he, I think he has a, an immense future ahead of him. Uh, and he's only 18, so you're talking about a goalkeeper – it could be around for the next 15 years or so, and, and hopefully that's the case if he continues his trajectory. Um, yeah, I, you know, he's, a, he's you look at him. I mean, you just look at that kid. When you, even watching the anthems, you just look at him. That's a keeper. He's six foot four, big frame, broad shoulders, um, and you just always hope with those players that you know, shot stomping is something that is natural and athletic and and such. And, and all kudos and tips of the hats to those type of players, but. That final step of a goalkeeper is how to control your box and and, and your judgment plays when to come and when to you know when to punch when to sit when to you know how you distribute and the, those are the parts of the game that he's going to learn at Chelsea and um, yeah I, I you can't say enough good things about him yeah I think he's you know he's a little raw right now and he's he's got a, a lot of growing to do in in those uh, parts of the game that I just mentioned but you know that's that's part of you know um, shall we say, cutting your teeth as a keeper, especially when he'll be in in such Mm -hmm. a high-profile league as the English Premier League. Now, I don't want to throw this kid into the fire just yet. I'm sorry to interrupt, Daniel, Daniel, but I I want to say one more thing, too. With a keeper like that, and what we've seen with Zach Steffen and such, it's very important that he gets minutes. He cannot sit on the bench. He cannot rot away as a number two it's so vitally important, especially at this age of a career, to get out there and get whether it's going on loan or whatever, 
And that's the part that makes me nervous about the Chelsea move. I have to just interject that. I apologize for interrupting. No, that's fine. And listen, I would agree with you. Look, I agree with you wholeheartedly. See, this is the problem right now that, you know, we've had great goalkeepers in the past like Tim Howard, Brad Friedel, Tony Miola, uh, Casey Keller, uh, even uh, Brad Guzan, who's been in Europe. Uh, You know, we even had decent or at least solid goalkeepers like uh, Nick Raimondo. You know, we've had goalkeepers that have been strong and have been considered starters who have played, whether it be in MLS or even playing abroad in Europe, especially in the Premier League. I mean, we all know what Tim Howard's done for both Man United and Everton, uh, what Casey Keller's done in Europe, especially in, uh, in Spain. And even in Germany and elsewhere, Brad Friedel's done in England. Um, This is the thing that you worry about because right now, um, Matt Turner, basically the backup to Ramsdale, and even though he is getting Europa League games, which that's nothing to sneeze at. That's, That's definitely nothing to sneeze at. You know, those are quality games that he's getting, but the problem is is that he's also getting the FA Cup games and he's also getting uh, League Cup games. I don't know if I believe Arsenal has been eliminated from the uh, League Cup matches, but still, though, you've got to worry that, you know, you can't have our best goalkeepers being second fiddle and always being used for secondary cup competitions or for knockout cup competitions. I absolutely agree with you because you want to see the future of goalkeeping for this national team get starting minutes. Look, we're both on the same page here, Christian. Both on the same page. Need to make sure that Chelsea allows him to start very soon. Um, Depending on what he'll do, Next season, I don't know. He'll probably be back up. He'll be on the reserve team still. But somewhere down the road, somewhere down the line, he needs to be the starter at Chelsea. And Chelsea, even Graham Potter, Potter has got to do this. He's got to throw him in there. Yeah, it's, it's tough to, to unseat Kepa because a player that's so heavily invested upon by the prior ownership group with Chelsea and and. You know, also trying to dislodge Mendy, who's had some positive moments in goal. So that's, that's going to be a tough bridge for him to cross, I think, uh, immediately here in the next year or so. Uh, wouldn't be surprised to see him go out on loan once he gets his feet under him for a little while and gets training uh, with Chelsea and gets a few runouts in the cup games. But, yeah, you want consistent minutes. And, you know, there is this school of thought that is it's contrary to what we're saying is, you know, look, look at Argentina perhaps with Romero, who is a backup long time back up over it uh, for Manchester United. And it was a long time number one for Argentina, but you know, you can get away with that as an Argentina team because you're so strong in other areas and you're so strong at the top end of the field. The U S need a good goalkeeper because goalkeeping, as we know, is such a big position for us uh, because it's a team that, you know, absorbs a lot of pressure <laughs> and requires a lot out of the goalkeeper because, that's a lot of the time we spend on the back foot. So, yeah, you need a keeper that's it's solid, and you need a keeper that's playing minutes. And, and, and you know, I, it's unfortunate what's happened with Zach Steffen, a player I thought could have taken that next step, but, you know, got lost in the shuffle with a big club. But, hey, when, when, when Chelsea and Manchester City come knocking, it, it's pretty hard to be turning that down, especially when they're waving that big fist of cash in your face as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, once again, 
you know, that's the big problem, isn't it? You know, I mean, everyone's always saying, well, you're training at one of the best clubs in the world or one of the best clubs in England. Well, there's a difference between training and actual minutes. And just to play one Premier League match because uh, the because their starting goalkeeper is playing for Brazil and they got to play three straight qualifiers and he can't get back to England because a the time zone and b you can't get back and you know uh, get yourself situated back to English time because you just got back from a long flight. I mean, of course, Stefan was going to be uh, in goal for that game because he wasn't being play. He wasn't playing any other Premier League games. He was mostly getting ready to be, you know, training and getting ready for FA Cup matches. Yeah, exactly, hundred percent. And uh, you know, it's just it's just it's just a matter of first team minutes with with the U.S. goalkeeper. Period. I, that's my belief. Uh, I don't I don't think you can get away with having a player that's not a first team choice at his club to be. You know, ask him to take the gloves and perform like a Tim Howard, like a Casey Keller, like a Brad Friedel. That that tradition, that standard is set, and to hit that standard, all of those players had one thing in common: they were first choice keepers at the top level, and that's what is required of U.S. men's national team number one keeper. Absolutely, and you and I, once again, we are on the same page. No matter how many times the so-called USA fans on Twitter will always cry and whine about, but he's training with the best players in the world. That's all fine and dandy, but it's not enough when you are not the starting keeper. Match in and match out. Um, Okay, so let me throw this out at you. Right now, the three top goalkeepers at the moment for this men's national team and who are currently in Europe are, as we already said, Zach Steffen, Matt Turner, Ethan Horvath. Which one of the three do you take away and you insert Slonina for? Oh, Horvath. I'd have to go with Horvath. I. Uh... Yeah, it's a tough choice between Horvath and, and Stefan at this point, but I think I'd have to give the nod to Stefan with, with um, Turner as my number one. Uh, but, yeah, it, you, at some point you've got to, you know, make a choice, and these are tough choices that, that managers and coaches have to make. And I think, you know, considering the potential of the young man like, like Felina, who I think is a generational talent, really, I really do, uh, for, for a United States keeper. Um, that you have to make way for that and let him go. And Horvath, you know, he's served us well in the past in, in, in competitions. But, you know, and being realistic, I don't, I don't think he's the future of the position. Fulanina is, and that time needs to be invested into him to see him develop. So, yeah, I think not only, I mean, right now, I mean, I think it's more of a question of not who you're going to leave out, but who is possibly he's going to challenges the number one because there is an argument right now where Selena starts getting minutes here in the next six months that you know, have to challenge Turner as your number one and what choice do you make there and, and that will be another decision I think that I think more than likely is going to have to be made but as of right now it's an automatic he's in the team I think if you have to pick one to go out unfortunately it will be Horvath I definitely agree with you. Uh, I really, I mean, look, I thought what Horvath did in the Nations League final um, to basically save that big penalty, 
to prevent another uh, equalizer to make it 3-3 at that time. I, I really think that uh, he's, he's done okay, but if we're being honest, and we are definitely being honest, I think Horvath is the man out for the national team. So let me ask you this. We've already seen Anthony Hudson manage the Colorado Rapids, and now he's the interim manager until, I guess, this investigation on Greg Verhalter is over and done with. But the question is, is Verhalter still considered the national team head coach, even though he's already out of contract, and maybe he's not going to get that because Mm -hmm. of the – what happened with that uh, situation with uh, then-girlfriend, now his wife, of uh, so many years, and of course what the Reynas did to uh, gain revenge, and uh, do you believe Anthony Hudson did a good job, actually, first things first, in this one? Uh, absolutely. I thought, considering it's a difficult situation that he's in, the sheer amount of time that he had with these players was minute. You're talking a matter of four days. Normally in a January camp, you're given about three weeks. So what he's done, and just to get them on the same page and you know, keep it simple, I, I thought he didn't make things too complex. Um, of course there was going to be holes in the performance tonight, and there was going to be areas that they were lacking in, and they were. And it, you know, it wasn't you know, something to write home about in terms of a sterling performance, but I thought you know, he, he got about as, as, as good – as everything right he could have gotten right. Uh, for me, it almost feels like Greg Berhalter is suspended right now, and, and you know his number two has stepped in and kind of continued on in that same mode, and, and it's a very similar setup, the same type of style they want to play. So it's more of a continuation. Um, the long-term decision is, is is completely different. I personally feel that Greg Berhalter can't continue as the manager. Um, I think there's also need to be changes made a little higher up in U.S. men's um, at the club, at the brass level, at, at the higher-ups uh, that it led to this situation getting to where it is. It's really unfortunate. And, you know, let's call it what it is. It's an amateur hour right now. Uh, I don't think you'd really see this at any major country's federation where parents are calling up the head coach and, and calling the technical director and complaining about playing time and situations and such. It's absolutely ridiculous. I think it, a clean slate is necessary for all. And, and then take a step forward. And an unfortunate byproduct of that would have to be a, a, a coach like Hudson, who I have immense respect for, and who's done really well here at in, in a difficult situation. But in order to have a clean break and, and just have a fresh start and move forward, he can't be a part of it. And, and I think that they're going to have to go, you know, out of this network and start fresh and start anew. I agree. I mean, I, I, you look, you and I have probably seen – so many videos, so many news reports, so many uh, situations on YouTube where you're seeing parents at a Little League baseball oh, game yeah. or, you know, uh, uh, a punt passing kick thing in the NFL or for, you know, American football or the, the mites in hockey, junior hockey, or even the, the basketball where that they go absolutely crazy positions team's parents, or even invading the field and going after umpires or on the court against the referees to yell and scream at them and punch at them, like, how dare you do this to my son? You know, they're going to be the next great, uh, you know, professional sports athlete. You watch, you wait and see, you know, all that fun stuff. And now you're seeing it on the professional level, which I never thought you would absolutely witness, 
what the Reinas did to the Burhalters. I mean, this is, it's not just amateur hour. This is like beyond craziness. How in the hell did this happen? I mean, if you put, to put it in a different light, let, let's say you're the manager of Portugal and, you know, you, you're playing a player, uh, it's, it's playing in midfield, uh, let's say Bruno Fernandez. parents are disgruntled. Um, and so they complain to the Fernand, uh, Santos's boss and say Santos is doing this, and I can't believe it. I'm going to bring up a skeleton out of Santos's closet, who's the head coach, by the way, or was the head coach up until the last few few days. And then they say, yeah, we're going to hold this over his head. It's, it's ridiculous. It should be laughed off, but yet it's blown out of proportion, taken into light, and it's become, you know, a criteria for a decision made. Um, not, there's there's plenty of guilt to go around here. I mean, let's, let, I don't want to get into this whole situation with the Berhalters and, and, and the Reynas. The whole thing was just amateurly handled by both. I mean, I thought Berhalter was, showed a real naivete in discussing the situation, even though he, he thought he was going off record. Um, but, you know, there's certain things you, you say and you don't. Uh, and, you know, when you're putting a manager, a person in that type of situation, part of the factors that you have to consider of this person, are they qualified enough to handle situations such as that? Because every manager around the world damn well knows that he or she are going to be put in these situ- awkward situations by media, and they have to be able to handle it. And Greg Berhalter did not. He stepped, he put his foot right in it, and it was on record. And unfortunately, you know, it wasn't the most ethical divulgement of his comments, but it came out, and the point is it shouldn't have been an issue in the first place. But so the, the, the way it was handled here, I mean, we could – you know, there's a laundry list of the, the way uh, poorly it was handled. I just think it, a fresh break needs to be made and, and, and to go forward. And um, It's unfortunate for me to see these young players go through this, uh, <laughs> especially these young players coming into this, into this camp now here in January. They shouldn't have to be a part of this, and they are caught up in the middle of it. And for something that's beyond their control mm-hmm. has nothing to do with them. And it just it just sucks, to be honest with you. And I, I think they deserve better. And I think the Federation has to – we deserve we deserve better from the Federation. Uh, there's cries of nepotism, which, you know, are ringing very loud right now. And, and there's cronyism, I think, even with the firing of Brian McBride. So, yeah, I mean, I, you and I could do another two or three shows just talking about this issue alone. <laughs> No, I know. We definitely could, and we'll, we'll get there someday. But let me just say this real quick about this. When, when you're hearing Ernie Stewart looking for a new manager, and all of a sudden the name of the you know, special one comes in, Jose Mourinho. And, I mean, look, to me, that's the, probably one of the biggest gets if, if – U.S. soccer actually pulls this off. If he ever is interested to come here and be involved in international football, I mean, without a doubt, you know, right now you would say, I think Mourinho would be a great choice. I mean, Klopp, if he's interested, Pep Guardiola is interested. Uh, I would say maybe even if the current manager of Argentina was interested, I would bring them over in a heartbeat. There is, but do you there, think there's no go? 
No, I, I, there's no doubt. I mean, if, you know, you're naming the, the creme de la creme. The point being, I don't think any of these managers would take this job seriously, like Zidane laughed it off. And the reason why mm-hmm. is because in this country, the development of the game has gone away from meritocracy, and it's become commerce, and it's become a customer purveyor relationship where you're paying these coaches to play your kids. And that's not something that any of these coaches are familiar with. They would laugh in the face with it. It's anti-competitive. It's antithetical to the entire spirit of athletics and football. So I, I don't think that any of them would seriously consider this. Now, maybe in their later days, <laughs> with, you know, when they're with a bit of do to, to their careers and have, have accomplished what they wanted to in the game, then maybe. But as far as a serious move, no, I don't. I don't think this is something that any of them will consider it and especially in light of the of the ridiculousness that this program has been cast in uh, due to this current situation in the Burhalter Reina gate if you want to call it so yeah I, I don't think that's a, even mm-hmm. a, a decision that's going to be, have to be made I mean surely you want to offer it to them yeah if, you know if you're one of those managers why are you going to want to come over here other than uh, uh, you know what is there to prove there, especially with an existing infrastructure that is completely foreign and operates almost independently of the rest of the world's development system. And it's something for them, how are they going to wrap their heads around that? And why would they want to subject themselves to that frustration? I just don't see it. And that's the rub right there. Because if they're going to bring in someone like Jose Mourinho or one of the top managers in club football to be an international manager for this national team, those people inside soccer house or soon soccer office need to stay away from the job that Mourinho needs to do or any top international manager needs to do or any manager, period. Because what we have seen now and even though it's a shame that Gulati is no longer with U.S. soccer, even though some of the stuff he's done is his fault behind the scenes with, of course, the failure to qualify for Russia, uh, the failure with the NWSL players situation, with all the uh, uh, underhandedness that happened, Gulati was the glue that kept everything together. And now we're seeing a bunch of chickens running around with their heads cut off. Yeah, I mean, in, in the fact that we're having it, you know, a window as such, and we're going forward, and it, you know, for the second time in, in I think, the last three cycles, you know, or, or two cycles, we're starting, a, we're starting a cycle without a manager. And that, that is not the way you go forward. And, and unfortunately, it's the case we're in right now. I mean, it's ridiculous. And, yeah, it's... Mm-hmm. You know, it's just so disappointing because they clean a house and Gulati goes out and then in comes Remy Stewart and you're thinking, hey, finally some football men stepping in. And then, you know, you, you have to, t- you know, obviously people hire people that they know, people that they've worked with, people that they trust. And that's what Ernie Stewart has done. You cannot fault him for that. But, you know, at some point you've got, you know, you you have to expand your horizons and your breadth and, and open it up to, you know, better qualified players, or sorry, better qualified individuals, and you can look back to Greg Berhalter and, you know, what did he do aside from, a, a you know, a burst with Columbus for a year or so to garner the U.S. men's national team, arguably the top job in, in 
in the sport in this country. I mean, to me, it's laughable. And nothing, and there's nothing against Greg Burrell, but you know, the man who couldn't you know, cut it in, in in Norway, where he was before, um, who was you know in his defense a really hard nosed, strong defender who doesn't breathe soccer. But you know, from coaching standpoint, what did he win? I, I just don't see it. And you know, the, those cries of uh-huh. nepotism ring very very high right now. So exactly, and that's the and that's the one issue that U.S. Soccer needs to clean out clean out uh, of their uh, locker. That's for sure. Um, other than that, Christian, I mean, overall, uh, I guess one through ten, how do you give this performance tonight for this uh, young squad? Oh, gosh, I'd probably give it about a six to seven out of ten. About more of a six, six and a half maybe. You know, I thought there were some I would solid agree with that. moments. I, I, I like Gomez on the left-hand side as a fullback. I thought he had some looks. I thought, of course, Jalen, I thought, had, you know, a – some good moments. Jalen Neal is that left sided center back um, by, you know, the, the big, big mistake. Obviously Zimmerman, you know, down on the right, but um, yeah, Gressel, I thought brought a, a cultured element on the right hand side, played some experience, didn't exactly get up and down and didn't provide much attacking width, but yeah, there's, there were some bright spots there. Some players you can pick up and, you know, this is the beginning of the next cycle and, and these players are, you know, positioning themselves, um, several of them, including Cowell, for Indonesia coming up in May for the, the Under-20 Men's World Cup. You know, we, you talked about Nations League. There's going to be Gold Cup. Um, you know, and then you look ahead to 24, where you've got the Olympics on the horizon. So <laughs> these are players that, you know, you can't – got to take the blinders off a little bit and say, hey, we're not just thinking about the World Cup. You've, you've got all these other competitions that this January camp – can use as a platform for, and, you know, there's about three or four that they can use it as a platform for. And I thought, you know, by and large, we, it was to, to be, you know, we got what we expected um, and, and some bright signs from players that, you know, we got a first look at uh, that it really set themselves in, in good life and others that, you know, have a room for improvement. So hope be interesting to see what we see on Saturday uh, against Columbia. I'm really interested to see, I don't expect a big change of, of the, the shape of the team, I think there'll be some uh, some tweaks in the center, uh, some changes in, in the lineup, obviously, as you would expect with a 24-man squad and, and these being friendly. So I'm excited to see what Anthony Hudson has going forward, um, and hopefully they can pull out a victory. So let me ask you this. Are you ready for uh, Saturday if John Tolkien gets that opportunity? Because I've I've watched him these last two years, and I'll tell you, Christian, that kid just came out of nowhere and has been amazing to watch. Yeah, you know, it's it's a player I have to be quite honest with you, I haven't seen much of. So this is that window. I mean, you you nailed it right on the head, Danny. You know, this is what you use this window for, to get a look at these players that, one, you know, haven't gotten much of a look in the last, you know, couple of years. I mean, we had 13 uncapped players tonight. So, yeah, I fully expect players like him to be given a run out, and there'll be some hits and, and some misses, and we'll see what you know the young man has to offer. Uh, you know, he's one of those players, Tolkien, I believe, that's, you know, available for the Olympics coming up on the 24, and the U.S. certainly has one eye on that. Um, but we'll see, and a chance for redemption if some players didn't perform too well tonight as well. Yep. Very true. And so we'll see what happens on Saturday night. Let him play. Uh, that match will be on. 
Uh-huh. Absolutely. Let them play. And that'll be on TNT on Saturday at 7, 7 o'clock Eastern, uh, 4 o'clock Pacific. And that'll be with pregame, match, and postgame. But postgame, you can definitely come here to the 14th Fire American Soccer Show this coming Saturday uh, night. And, of course, join me tomorrow night as I will try to reattempt to talk to those amateur clubs who qualified for the 2023 U.S. Open Cup. But, Christian, thank you, as always, for your time. I appreciate it. And uh, I will talk to you again soon. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you. And once again, for Christian Miles, I'm Daniel Feuerstein. Once again, your final score, the United States falls to Serbia by a final of two goals to one. Talk to you guys tomorrow night. Thank you. Take care. So long. And bye-bye for now. And as always, please enjoy your football.